Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, uh, this evening. There are 391,000 different species of plants. That's a lot. Can anybody here name them all? No. If you gave me 10 minutes, I could probably come up with like five. But there are hundreds of thousands of plants. But ultimately, for simpletons like you and I, we can narrow them down to two categories, good and useful, or bad and damaging. Some plants we love to have, whether it be flowers or, or plants that produce fruits and vegetables or beautiful trees, and others we work really hard to kill and get rid of. We call those weeds. So ultimately, they, it boils down to two things, plants you want and plants you don't want. And how many know that the truth is the plants you don't want tend to grow a lot easier, a lot faster, and a lot stronger than the ones you do want? No one who has ever planted a garden also plants weeds among it. Of course, we do not want weeds, and we understand that what we plant will grow. I don't even know if you can buy seeds for dandelions. They're not hard to find. Just go find them in the fields. But... No one in their right mind would plant weeds among their garden because we understand the seeds that you sow bring forth what you plant. But we must also understand this spiritually in our life. That which we sow, we will also reap. Even bad things. Even if we don't want to reap them. We are constantly sowing. Everywhere we go, everything we do, everything we say, we are sowing seeds. So we must choose wisely the things we sow in our lives. Because we are sowing not just in this life, but into eternity. So let's look at our text this evening. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Paul writes this to, uh, to the church in Galatia. And he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So this evening, I want to preach a simple, basic sermon that I've entitled, So. Let's pray. Father God, help us tonight, God, by your Spirit, Lord, that you would minister and speak to each one of us this evening, God, that you would go into the hearts and minds of all people here, God, and that you would speak clearly, God, to each and every one of us, God, and on a unique individual level, in Jesus' name, amen. So first, I want to talk about the law of the harvest. But before I get too far into that, I want to share with you a story that kind of illustrates some of this. There was a man by the name of Sir Robert Watson Watt. That's quite the name, isn't it? Sir Robert Watson Watt was the inventor of the speed radar. However, things became interesting when he himself was pulled over and busted for speeding, and he had been caught in a radar trap by his own invention. Shortly after this irony took place in his life, he wrote this poem. And he wrote uh, these words saying, Sir Robert Watson Watt, 
a strange target of his radar plot. And this, with others I could mention, a victim of his own invention. I'm glad he had a good attitude about it. But I can't help but wonder as he's, as he's creating this, right? I mean, I, I haven't read his biography. I don't even know if he has one. But as he's trying to invent this, the, the, the speed radar, I'm sure along the way it took time, it took effort, it took studying, it took experiments. You know, we talk about uh, uh, Thomas Edison inventing the light bulb and how it took thousands of tries and, and years or hours or whatever. Uh, but I can't help but mention, think as he's building this, as he's designing this, if he thinks to himself, what if I get caught by this thing? Like, maybe it crossed his mind, maybe it didn't. I don't know. If he has a biography, you guys go look it up, read it. Maybe it talks about that. But I just speculate because I, I didn't want to read his whole story. But I can't help but wonder if he thought to himself, man, we can be sure of, is that God is clear in his word. The choices we make, the decisions we make, the actions we take, will, not can, not might, will catch up to us. And that which we sow, we will reap, good and bad. And verse 7 from our text tells us, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. You see, there's a lot of deception in the world today. There's a lot of people who go through a lot of effort to run from the consequences of their actions. They make choices, and then they make decisions to try to run from those choices. And oftentimes, they find themselves running from decisions that they made because of their decisions, running from the consequences that they have coming for themselves. You see, our world seems to think we can continually run from our problems, run from our mistakes, but the Word of God clearly states that in some way or another, what we do, what we sow into our lives, will bring a harvest. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. And this is known of the law of the harvest, in the, uh, referencing this particular text, a man named J. Hampton Keithley III uh, wrote what is called and known as the Seven Laws of the Harvest. Now, I don't want to take too much time on these, but we'll go through them uh, quickly. And he is making these laws specifically off of the Word of God, most specifically off of uh, this text that we're reading tonight. So law number one is that we reap only what has been sowed. So in other words, we cannot sow what has not been planted. You go to the store and you buy a little packet of daisy seeds, right? You want to go home and plant some daisies. And you take that packet home, you toss it on your counter, and you're never going to get daisies in your garden unless you take those seeds out of the packet and plant them in the ground. You cannot reap what has not been sown. So in other words, you want blessings from God, but you're not tithing. You want blessings from God, but you're not witnessing. You want these things in your life, but you're not sowing seeds into these things. Law number two, we reap the same kind as we sow. A farmer goes out and plants corn in the ground. He doesn't grow wheat, right? You get what you plant. You plant wickedness into your life, and you get wickedness. You plant spiritually good things into your life, and you get spiritually good things. In your life, what you plant grows what you plant. Simple. Law number three, we reap in a different season 
than we sow. This one's so hard for the modern people of today's world. I could walk out that front door today and I could have a burger in my hand in less than five minutes. We don't understand patience. We reap in a different season than we sow. This is, far, this is the life of a farmer. They go out and they plant their crops and then they tend to them and they take care of them and it's months until they sow what they've planted. Law number four, we reap more than we sow. This is a simple concept, but oftentimes overlooked in our lives spiritually. If a farmer takes a corn seed and plants it in the ground and all he gets out of it is one corn seed, then what's the point? He plants the seed, the crop grows, he gets several uh, ears of corn. On top of that, those ears of corn have seeds in them that he can take out and plant again. There's this cycle of life. You get more out of it than what you put in. The same thing is true for bad things. Law number five is similar in part to law number four. We reap in proportion to what we sow. The Bible talks about receiving tenfold of what we give or what we give up or what we serve, how we serve. So it's simple math, right? You plant one seed, you get one plant. That plant produces for the sake of being biblical, tenfold, right? One seed gets you 10 years of corn. And the same is true in the will of God. If you are sowing sparingly, spiritually, then you will receive sparingly, spiritually. But if you're dropping seeds left and right, spiritually everywhere you go, you will reap a harvest. Simple math, right? Tenfold. Let's just take the example that the Word of God gives us, that you will receive tenfold, what you give in this lifetime. Listen, sometimes you receive it in the afterlife. Sometimes we're sitting here thinking, man, where is my tenfold? Sometimes we're making deposits into our heavenly bank. I'll tell you what, it's going to be worth the wait. But you give ten, or you give two, you multiply that by tenfold. What is that? Twenty. Twenty. You guys are looking at me like it's a trick question. Simple math, guys. Simple math. You, you put in two, you get out 20, God's economics, right? Tenfold. But you put in 10, you get out 100. It's a lot more, right? Simple. But this is the law of the harvest. Law number six, we reap the full harvest of the good only if we persevere. However, the evil comes to harvest on its own. This is a harsh reality about being a Christian. But how many have planted a garden before? How many have given up on that garden? Like halfway through the year. Did it turn out? No. It's simple. You don't have to be a green thumb to know that if you go plant a garden, you're like, man, I'm going to have some strawberries. I'm going to have some, some tomatoes. I'm going to have all these great things. And halfway through the season, you quit watering it. You quit fertilizing it. You quit pulling the weeds. Guess what happens? Everything dies and the weeds overtake it. This is the law of the harvest. We will reap the harvest if we do not give up. But on the flip side of that, the evil comes to harvest on its own. The weeds will grow. You give up on the, on the, on the, on the field and the weeds overtake it. There's no cultivation needed. They grow anyway. And law number seven, we can't do anything about last year's harvest. But we can do something about this year's harvest. It's simple. 
Last season's over. Bumper crop or nothing. It doesn't matter. It's over with. Last season was great or last season was terrible. We have a new season ahead of us. And we can only do what we can do about our future. So whatever we've sown and whatever we've reaped before, today we can begin sowing good seeds and we can begin harvesting good things. You see, in the farming world, there are all types of seeds that can be sowed. But in the spiritual world, there are also all types of seeds that can be sown. But ultimately, just like weeds and plants you do want, plants you don't want, these also can fall into two categories, sowing seeds from the flesh or sowing seeds from the Spirit. And whether we realize it or not, we are sowing seeds all day, every day. So next I want to talk about the issue of sowing in the flesh. Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. You see, when it comes to sowing in the flesh, there are things in life that by no dispute by anyone bring forth issues. You think about the effects of drugs and alcohol in the world. The negative effects are quite obvious to most people. In fact, even the people who are consumed by these things will be the first ones to tell you, this stuff is messing up my life. You think about overdoses, you think about families broken, you think about damaged relationships, you think about abuse, homelessness from spending all your money on these things, driving under the influence and damaging lives that you don't even know. You could also talk about sexual immorality and unfaithfulness. Again, damaged relationships, adultery, diseases. Talk about reaping what you sow. People talk about, man, all these STDs, that's crazy. It's a mystery. Why do they keep increasing? Well, y'all keep living sexually immoral. We are reaping as mankind what we sow. These things not only reap damaging effects for our own lives, but also for lives around us and sometimes people that we don't even know. Some other basic ones, lying. If you lie a bunch, people don't trust you. And if you're sitting here tonight and you think, I'm a pretty good liar, people have no idea. Listen, they they have an idea. They just don't say anything to you. (laughs) Nobody is good enough at lying to make a life out of it. People catch on. Most people just don't have the guts to say anything to you. Anger. If you live a life consumed with anger, then the people around you are afraid of you. If you're a gossip, then nobody around you trusts you. The only thing you're good for is spreading information. The one thing that they do want everybody to hear about, you tell them. Like Everybody's got that person at work, right? If you want everybody to find out, just tell so-and-so. Then, then you don't have to worry about telling everybody. They'll find out on their own. But that same person is sowing seeds of gossip into their own lives to where nobody actually even trusts them. There's a quote, I don't know who said it, that says, Too many believers are sowing wild oats throughout the week and then going to church on Sunday and praying for a crop failure. There are other things we sow into that are perhaps less obvious, though. These are things that, as I said, even the people partaking in these things would look at it and go, yeah, you know what, that's caused some issues in my life. 
one of the things, ultimately they boil down in my mind under one simple category, which is laboring for the world. We do these things and we ultimately end up having pride in ourselves. We end up developing an unrighteous love for money. We end up neglecting relationships so that we can pursue these things that we desire. I recently read this quote. Uh, again, I don't know who said it. I saw it in a, a thing on social media. I didn't credit anybody, but I'm sure somebody said it. It said, the only people in 20 years who will remember that you worked late and worked overtime are your children. You're trying to hustle to get ahead. You're trying to get that promotion. The boss is saying, hey, work late. Hey, work Saturdays. And in 20 years, that person, they won't even remember your name, but your kids will remember the neglect. And, and don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't get confused. I'm not talking about those people that are hustling just to make it. You've got to do what you've got to do. You hear stories of people working three, four jobs just so they can have food on the table. I get it. It's hard to make it in this life. I'm talking about pursuing that next come up at the cost of your family. And these are things that usually are not bad in their own nature. There's nothing wrong with having a good career. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with getting an education. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies. But when they become an idol in your life, when they become our main place to sow our seeds, is when we begin to reap into those fields. And even then... We might not always bring forth fruit that appears wicked. I got the promotion. I got the raise. I got the degree. And these things, they look good to us, while meanwhile we're neglecting the things that God has called us to. Careers, hobbies, education, these, things, these are good things. I'm not sitting here telling you all to quit your jobs, don't go to college, and, and, and don't have any hobbies, although there could be a line that needs to be drawn in your life. But one thing that is crucial to understand is that these things, as good or as bad as they may be in our lives, have no eternal value and should not become the only fields we are sowing our lives into. From our text, it says, For the one who sows into his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. Sowing into the flesh results in reaping from the flesh. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, but for those, uh, sorry, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Think about that. It's not even it's those who are in the flesh, it's hard to please God. This text tells us those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Sowing in the flesh cannot please God because God is spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. No talk of flesh there. So to sow into our own flesh is to place our flesh above spirit, which ultimately is placing our flesh above God. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Things that are on earth, things that are of the flesh, are not eternal. Our flesh is not eternal. This world is not eternal. So if we set our minds on them, we will perish with them. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 tells us, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And, when the he- and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Think about that. That passage, it says, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be dissolved and exposed. If we sow our lives and our soul into this world, it will burn with it. We're talking about eternal sowing. And then verse 11 tells us what sort of people ought you to be. He's telling us, if this is what's going to happen when Jesus comes back, if the world, the heavens, and everything that's been done on it is going to be burned and exposed for what it truly is, then what sort of people ought you to be? People who are keeping their minds on things above. And maybe you have sown in the flesh a lot. And for a long time. There is still hope to start sowing good seed. The text I just read, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 11. The verse right before that, verse 9, says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Listen, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back soon. I I truly believe that if I live a full life expectancy, I will not taste death. I believe Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. I'm not telling you I got any inside information. That's just the way I feel. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be a decade. It could be longer than my lifetime. I don't know. But what I do know is the Bible tells us that he's coming back, and he's coming back soon. But he desires for our repentance so that we will not perish with this world. John Corson puts it this way. If you're here today and you're not saved, Jesus is waiting for you to be saved to come back. You could be the last one. Think about that. So what are you waiting for? What are you sowing into? We need to be sowing in the Spirit. Let's look at verses 7 and 8 from our text again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Sowing in the Spirit ultimately is making choices for the kingdom of God rather than for the kingdom of me. 
Sowing in the Spirit means living through the words of Christ, not through our own means. John 6, verse 63, the words of Jesus Christ, he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So in other words, he's saying life to its fullest is a life spent sowing into the kingdom of God, reading his word, understanding scriptures, and soaking in the words of Christ. He says the flesh, it's no help at all. <laughs> we all we're all been around the block enough to know that that's definitely true. Life to its fullest is life living through the words of Christ, living through the blood of Christ. So how do we sow into the kingdom of God? There's practical things. These are in no particular order of importance because they're all important, but the first one is prayer. If you don't pray every day, today is a good day to start. Sowing in prayer brings peace. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ. This promise, man, is one of the truest promises from my own experiences. That I've been through things in life that I'm like, I should be running wild right now in my mind. I should be going crazy right now, but I have peace despite all the craziness that's happening in my life. That we bring our life before God and say, God, I need your peace because I don't have any of my own. You see, God knows what's going on in our lives. It's not that he doesn't know. It's that he wants us to bring it to him. Sowing in prayer brings protection. Acts chapter 12 verse 5 is the beginning of the, of the story of Peter being thrown in prison for preaching. And, and it says in verse 5, And Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Prayer is, uh, Peter is being kept in prison for preaching the gospel, for telling people about Jesus. It's the day before he's about to go on trial, probably to be a martyr, and the church is praying for him. And you all know the story, I'm sure, but as it goes on, he's sleeping in the jail. Dude, talk about peace beyond understanding. The brother was sleeping in jail. <laughs> I, I would like to say that I would be too, but I don't know about that. The story goes that he was sleeping the night before his likely execution, and an angel shows up out of nowhere and goes, get up, bro. Put your shoes on. We got to go. And he's like, okay. And so he wakes up, and then he gets his shoes on, and, and, and all of a sudden, all the doors are open, and none of the guards are stopping him. They're just walking right past everything. The Bible says that Peter thinks he's having a dream. And by the time he's finally outside of the prison, he realized, oh, wait a second. That was real. I'm free. And it was because the prayer of the saints activated God's protection and liberation for Peter. Sowing in prayer brings help and boldness. Ephesians 6, 18 through 19. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. This prayer and supplication for the saints should be prayed for yourself as well. Why? Because the Word of God says that if you're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. I know, sometimes you don't feel so saintly. But that's what the Bible says. And ultimately, the reality is that sowing prayer into our lives unlocks the power of God and the will of God in our lives. There is so much that God wants to do for you and I, but he's waiting for us to bring it to prayer. He's waiting for us to contend in prayer. Listen, sometimes we just want to pray one time and say, okay, God, now do it. No, God's like, no, this is going to take some contending. This is going to, I want to see how bad you really want it. The second thing is to read the word. Reading the word of God sows wisdom and life into your life. It also, the knowledge of the word allows you to sow that same knowledge and life and wisdom into the lives of others. That when somebody in your life or around you is going through it, you can say, listen, the word of God says, but da 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 Oh, you're going through that? Listen, God's got a remedy for you. Or I'm going through this, I know the promises of Scripture. Listen, we're fooling ourselves if we think we can make it through this life without reading the stinking Bible. The devil knows the Word of God better than you ever will. You need to read the Word. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Think about that, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We can't even do that to our own heart. Like our heart's feeling some things and we're like, that doesn't even make no sense to me. This is a crucial need for us. And so often we struggle to know what our heart is telling us. Is it righteous or not? Should I do this or not? Our heart loves to have it say in things. But the word of God can tell us, no, your heart's leading you astray. Listen, without the word of God guiding us, our hearts will lead us astray. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 reveals to us the reality about our hearts. He says, the, the heart is deceitful above all things. That's pretty harsh. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Well, that sounds a lot like sowing and reaping, doesn't it? The next thing is repentance. Sowing in repentance is crucial and it needs to be regular. Repentance, I say it all the time, repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is a lifestyle. Matthew 3 verse 8, John the Baptist says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Listen, I just gave you guys a gardening lesson earlier. You can't bear fruit unless you plant the seeds. So in other words, he's saying, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So in other words, you got to plant the seeds first. You can't bear fruit from repentance without sowing the seeds. In this case, seeds of repentance. Why do we need to repent all the time? Because we sin all the time. (laughs) We do our best, but we fall short. We try our hardest, but we make mistakes. 
Sowing seeds of repentance in our lives, we will reap a harvest of gratitude and grace. That we can realize, man, I'm messed up and I'm a sinner, but God forgave me again. That we can be thankful for what he did and for the grace he has for us in our lives. The next thing is evangelism. Or in other words, preaching repentance. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sowing seeds in evangelism, the obvious fruit from this is that we will see people saved. Right? If you have people around you that you desire to see saved and you're not telling them about Jesus Christ, you ain't sowing nothing in your life, don't expect to bear any fruit there. But listen, we all know if you've tried to witness once or twice in your life, it doesn't always bear fruit. Sometimes people reject the gospel. There's nothing we can do about that. We pray and we pray that those, that those seeds that we sow bear fruit. And sometimes we have to sow seed season after season after season before it finally does bear fruit. And sometimes the hard reality is that it doesn't. But beyond that, in addition to seeing souls saved, when we evangelize, whether it's successfully or not, it strengthens our own faith and builds our boldness. Beyond that, we're just being obedient to God. Jesus said in the Great Commission to go evangelize, to make disciples of all nations. This is what we were called to do. And the last thing, which covers all of these things and then some, is laboring in God's kingdom for his glory. Laboring in God's kingdom for his glory. See, so many people, they're laboring in their own kingdom for their own glory. And it's just a little bitty kingdom. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, and serve the Lord. Sowing seeds in serving God will always bear fruit in your life. Do not be, you got, you got zeal. You're fervent for God. So you go, yeah, praise the Lord. Then you go home and you dink around all day. No, say, how can I, what can I do to serve the Lord? Many of you have already got part of this figured out, right? You locked into your local church. We got people serving in ministry. We got people helping out. Listen, we might be a small church, but there's plenty to do. Those of you who have joined ministry realize that. You might not be a preacher or a teacher or a musician, but you can help in some way. I remember when I first started serving, one of the first things I did was was help clean, and I ran the clicker, but I was serving God. Think about that. When you're scrubbing the toilets, you think, I'm scrubbing these toilets for the glory of God. That ain't no joke. I'm not trying to, it's kind of funny, right? We laugh and giggle at it, but that's the reality. Sowing in the kingdom of God ultimately brings life to us. On earth, we just covered it. Peace, protection, help, and boldness, liberation, freedom, understanding, wisdom, grace, gratitude, seeing other people saved and restored, seeing the power of God at work in and through your life. This is the things that we will reap in our lives on this side of eternity when we sow into the Spirit. But beyond that, we will also reap eternally. Let's read verses 7 and 8 from our text. Again, you guys should have this memorized by the end of the night. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh 
sorry, will reap from the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We can sow to the flesh and we can reap corruption on this life and in eternity. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. All the other things we reap from sowing in this in the Spirit are good. They're good things. They're things we should desire. They're things we should want. We want to be blessed. We want to experience the power of God at work in our life. We want to see these things happen. We want to have wisdom. But eternal life is what it's all about. We could sow into the Spirit today, every day, until our last breath, and never see any of this stuff bear fruit. But if we make heaven our home, we have reaped a plentiful harvest But we can sow into our flesh and we might even have fun for a while. People oftentimes like to say, sin is fun for a season. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man. In other words, sowing in his flesh. But its end it is the way to death. But you sow in the Spirit and you can live a life full of supernatural peace and the power of Christ at work in your life. You know, sometimes it may be hard to see the harvest coming. You know, like I said, I, I could walk out this door and I could have a burger in my hand in five minutes. I could pick up my phone and I could have pizza walk through that door for me in about 25 minutes. We, they call us the microwave generation. Think about that. Even without fast food, we have microwaves. We can have cold food and it can be too hot to eat in less than a minute. It didn't used to be that way. I don't know if you guys know this. It didn't used to be you could pick up your phone, order something, it would be delivered the next day. It didn't used to be that you could warm up hot food in less than a minute. You used to have to work and labor for all these things, right? The generations before us understood patience because it was built into your life. I'm not trying to knock any generations or anything like that. But the reality is for us today, in 2023, sometimes we get a little impatient for the harvest. Sometimes it's hard to see the harvest coming, but the Word of God tells us do not grow weary because it's worth the wait. Galatians 6 verse 9 from our text says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You abandon the harvest field, you will not see the harvest. You abandon the labors for God and you will not see the end result. A good crop, it takes time. But as soon as you give up on it, it goes to the weeds. Do not grow weary in this labor, because in due time we will reap God's harvest. And in due time we will reap eternal life. Every day of our lives, we are sowing seeds into our lives and the lives around us. The question is, what are you planting? Are you planting seeds of destruction? Or are you planting seeds of life in the Spirit? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening.